Well, hey, everybody. Happy Sunday. We're running a little late tonight. Well, hey, everybody. Happy Sunday. We're running a little late tonight. But uh, we're finally getting started on uh, doing our Sunday weekly read of uh, The Visitants by Anna Maria Manalo and Thomas Conwell. We do have permission from the author, the authors, plural, and the publisher to read this book every week. So, uh, yeah. And I'm just going to put out a warning out there for everybody, and that includes TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube, and Twitter, and all those other good places. That uh, if you know, if the book gets to a point uh, that is, is too is too much for you to handle, scary or whatever, uh, instead of uh, turning me in, please be free to just leave. Okay, because this is a PG-13 thing. So uh, please do that instead of having me banned. Um, I, I would prefer that. Honestly, uh, it is a true story. It's based on a true paranormal story. So uh, I'm just I'm just giving you guys a heads up. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal problem, excuse me for a second, or you think you have a paranormal problem, we can help you. It might take us a couple days to get out there because California is huge. It's a huge state. But uh, we will get out there to help you. And in the meantime, one of our mediums can give you a call and work with you. And in most instances, they can actually uh, calm things down until we can get out there. So have no fear. Have no fear. Anyway, uh, if you're watching from Facebook today and you like what you see, please be sure to send me a thumbs up, send me a heart, send me a smiley face. Because what that does is there's an algorithm on Facebook. And uh, the more you do that, the higher up in the algorithm we go, which means more people will be able to view us the same thing for uh youtube there's an algorithm so the more happy faces and stuff that that that, that you send over the higher we go TikTok, same thing uh, that, that, that algorithm so only in this case with TikTok, what i request is that you tap that screen and double tap that screen and send me some hearts that would be great if you could send me some likes if, if you like what you hear today and uh, that'll help me with the algorithm over on TikTok. okay and once again i want to i want to emphasize that I do have permission from the authors and the publisher to read this book, so there's no plagiarism, you know, there's no uh, copyright involved or anything in this. So uh, welcome, welcome everybody, welcome everybody on Facebook, welcome everybody on YouTube, welcome everybody on TikTok. Uh, TikTok, I cannot read your comments, unfortunately, because it is on my iPhone, and I'm blind as a bat, I'm old, <laughs> I'm blind as a bat. Eventually, I will have my uh, have an iPad, so... I will be able to read your stuff, but until then, you know, you can leave me comments, but I can't comment back, unfortunately. Okay? Uh, same thing over at uh, YouTube and everything, because I'm going to be reading directly off the screen from Amazon, so I cannot see your comments. I can't see you in the chat room over here or anything like that. Anyway, you can find us on Facebook under California Haunts. You can find us on YouTube under youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. You can find us on TikTok under California Haunts. You can find us on Twitter under California Haunts. And you can find us under Cal Haunts at Twitch. And we're even over on Instagram under Ghosty Gal. And we're on Threads under Ghosty Gal if you want to find me, find my group. So uh, that's how you can find us. Anyway, this book's been interesting. We're in our sixth day reading this. We read a paranormal theme book every Sunday. Sometimes it's a fantasy book. Sometimes it's true. It's based on a true story. This one just happens to be based on a true story by a couple of really, really great authors, uh, and my good friend Anna Maria Manalo and Thomas Conwell. And it's been a very interesting book about what you know uh, 
things that have gone on, not only with the UFO world, but also with the ghost world. So it's kind of a combination book. And again, um, if you feel uncomfortable with stuff in the book, please do not, you know, turn me in for a ban over on TikTok. Just, you have the option to come in. You have the option to leave. Okay. So uh, please do not turn me in or anything like that. Just, um, you know, just take off and leave the room. We all have going to warn everybody. We are a PG-13 channel. Okay. So uh, without further ado, uh, I'm going to start reading the book. And uh, please, you know, send me those thumbs up, send me those smileys and all that good stuff to help get us up in the algorithm. Just like on TikTok, if you like what you hear, please be sure to double tap the screen. Tap, 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 tap. I do have a goal of 50 uh, turkeys up there. So if you feel the need to do that, you can help me out a little bit because I'm trying to make expenses for my team and keep things going and keep my TikTok going. So uh, if you feel it in your heart that, that you'd like to do that, please feel free to do so. Again, uh, if you like what you hear, please be sure to double tap that screen over at TikTok and, uh, you know, YouTube and Facebook, thumbs up, smileys, and all that good stuff. All right, without further ado, uh, The Visitants by Anna Maria Manolo and Thomas Conwell. Chapter 51, 1985, Shailene. Andy and Abby were already in school as I dropped off Adam in the afternoon kindergarten. I had to get home and check on the dog or take him with me. Last night was horrible. I was deadly afraid something might happen to him, too, like Maxie, whose body is buried under the sagebush of all places. I wasn't into spices anyway, so I guess that's one spice I won't be using anytime soon. Ha ha! Little did I know, I could have picked the sage and burned it in the house for protection. I parked the car, came around to the back, and picked some cucumbers from the garden on my way to the back door. It was an unseasonably warm spring giving way to fresh plantings. That's when the humming in my ears began again. I re-entered the house from the back, the picture of Uncle Jim looking down at me from his place on the dining room sideboard as I walked through the house from the kitchen and put down the basket of cucumbers. I sighed in relief as I heard Norton, our yellow lab, bounding towards me from his spot in the living room. He licked my hands and then studied my face with his brown eyes, as if trying to communicate. Then he sat and seemed to be studying my hair. At that moment, I felt something moving in my head again. It was a protrusion that gave it away inside the skin of my right cheek. I know, I know, I should see a doctor. After that afternoon years ago, when I drove away with Abby, when Bob was supposedly burying Maxie, I was headed for the doctor. I wanted someone to see what was inside my nose that wouldn't come out. For lack of a better word, it was not because I had a huge booger, as the children called it. I tried one sinus medicine after another and then made the doctor appointment. At the last minute, feeling like I would be ridiculed and called crazy, I copped out and turned into the supermarket instead, buying groceries for Wednesday night's dinner. I remember that vividly, though it was years ago. The first time I carried Abby in with me and placed her in the cart, all curls and blue eyes merrily reaching out to other customers as she happily gurgled at all the goods on the shelf. Abby recognized candy that I didn't want her to have and drew the attention of people at the in the supermarket. They chuckled at her efforts to reach the candy, but then they stared at me and walked away, and I wondered why. In mild panic, if that can be defined, I entered the ladies' room on the pretext of checking Abby's diaper. I looked at the mirror at my fading bruise, disguised by makeup. I thwarted another blow from Bob, but it only led to another. However, 
Right above the foundation on the edge of my left eye was some type of glob. It was about an inch in diameter and looked like a transparent pill, like vitamin E, but it was much larger. I touched it, thinking it was a large sty. It wasn't. The glob reminded me of a sci-fi film I saw with friends at the local Starlight Cinema before it burned down just up the street from our old building. The blob. This one, like the blob, moved when I touched it. It didn't want to be touched. What were, what were they doing to me now? I attempted to pick it off while listening to Abby's gurgling behind me in the cart. It disappeared and hid behind my eye and gave me stars, like I was about to faint. Abby screamed. I pushed the cart, laden with groceries, out of the bathroom door to find a supermarket attendant in her blue standard-issue frock with the nameplate Frida, staring back at me in consternation. I wasn't supposed to bring groceries into the bathroom. I rushed through the checkout, self-consciously touching my eyes, which smarted by the minute and navigated the child and cart into the parking lot. As I parked the car onto the driveway, the house loomed in front of me. I listened for the screaming, the yelping, the terror of an animal dying. A screaming that haunted me to this day. I was met with silence. I grabbed the baby in the carrier and one grocery bag. My arm load so precious that in my haste I left the car on idle. I placed Abby down and darted to turn off the ignition. Please don't let it happen again. I unlocked the door and the scuffling noise from paws and wooden floors regaled me with a glee and a sense of joy that I had not had in a long time. Out came Norton, our new yellow lab puppy, bounding up to greet me. He licked my leg as I leaned down and petted him, and Abby gurgled. I shut the door. We were safe while the sun was still on the horizon. I mentally prepared for another night of visitation, hoping Bob Shift would return today. 52, 2020, a pattern. If you like what you hear, please tap that screen, tap that screen, TikTok, tap that screen. Tom mentally prepared for sleep for the night after reading the latest post on the forums on Facebook. At dinner, which the Uber Eats driver referred to as awesomeness, and playing a game of rummy. He watched the news and then decided to return to the kitchen, turning on all the lights as he went. He walked around the perimeter of the maps, examining the display of each one, hunting for a pattern. It continued to elude him. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw his wife ascend the stairs to take her shower. Tom reached for his cell phone and saw the green light on the upper right, which indicated there was a message for him on the messenger app. Tempted to check, despite the lateness of the hour, Tom sat on the recliner and clicked it on. It was one of the experiencers. He shared his latest blog, as requested, glad to have a list of subscribers, and then bid the woman goodnight. Then the message dinged again. It was Shailene. Tom opened the message. It happened again. He typed, another nightmare? Could be. Tell me. You have time? Yes. They were here again. The same ones that killed the dogs. The dogs? I think so. Did any of your kids see them? No. They seemed to sleep through all of it. Did you see the doctor? I have a checkup. You have to show someone those bruises. I'll try. It's evidence. Okay, how is your book going? I'm still working on it. Okay, um, sorry to interrupt. No worries. Still thinking how to help. You can't. Tom shut the cell phone and connected it to the cable recharge near the television. He strode back towards the kitchen, 
On the way, he walked past the sliding glass door leading to the patio. He stopped, secured the bolt, and placed the rod on the edge, drawing the curtains for privacy. Then he turned. Ahead of Tom was a spread of maps on the card table, which was connected to the kitchen table. The pink stickies and yellow stickies revealed a cluster, then another. They repeated themselves in clumps all over the continental U.S. Tom inched closer in disbelief, pulling his glasses closer to the bridge of his nose. There it was, a pattern. He approached the neighboring maps, and the angle he found himself standing in seemed to show a perfect pattern for the other maps as well. He inhaled, shut his eyes, and looked again. After several months, the pattern of straight lines he had been searching for had finally revealed itself. The clusters of sightings and the clusters of earthquakes on the same piece of ground, except this time it had nothing to do with earthquakes. Parentheses. Please refer to earthquakes and UFOs for specific conclusions. Three years later, since Shailene began to chronicle the sudden turn of events in 2017, the same year when Tom began his book on earthquakes, the pattern revealed itself. Channel 53, channel. <laughs> chapter 53, 1990, Shailene. As Norton sat by me in the kitchen, I fixed myself a cup of tea, glad to be alone with my thoughts as I planned dinner. Shortly, a stir upstairs awakened me from my reverie, and I looked up to find Norton bounding up the stairs. I followed him, all 70 pounds, fully grown, and found Bob dressed for work. His eyes told me he wasn't happy with another upcoming night shift, and I turned away. You look good in black, I observed, as Bob was wearing his black work pants with a black shirt. It was a grim outfit that he seldom wore unless we were attending a party or a family function. He sensed my questioning look. Right out of clean shirts. Will you mend this, please? He handed me a torn shirt. The sleeve was torn as if something had clawed at it. How did this happen? It got caught in one of the machines. Oh, did you hurt yourself? He unrolled the sleeve and showed me a bandage on his arm. A close call, but what can you do? I didn't notice that when you came home last night. I didn't notice you in bed. I examined the shirt, opened a nearby cupboard where I left my sewing kit. I opened the basket of needles and thread and found my fingers couldn't bend. Bob watched as I sat, fumbling with a spool of thread, my fingers appearing stiff and unable to bend. You have arthritis? Not that I know of. I pulled out a needle and prepared to thread it, when suddenly my fingers went numb. I dropped the shirt and the needle, the spool rolling towards the dog. What's that? Bob asked. I don't know. I'll take care of your shirt later, I replied, as I needed to make dinner before the children returned from school and took over the kitchen table. I didn't want to I didn't want Bob to scrutinize me while I was alarmed at the, the way my fingers seemed out of control. But he was studying me anyway. The dog began whining. Your hands. Bob was staring at my hands as I reached for the shirt to fold it with effort. I looked down at my hands. Something was under the skin of a finger, moving from knuckle, moving from a knuckle on my right hand to my thumb, a shooting pain. I grasped my thumb, wondering what was happening to my right hand. A small object, the size of a piece of rice, emerged between my thumbnail and nail bed. It was white, like rice, but it appeared to be metallic, hard and cold at the touch. It fell to the floor with a ping. The dog whined, then scooted under the dining room table. Bob bent, reaching for it. What's this? I put my palm out, the right hand now feeling normal. My dexterity was back. Bob placed the object on my open palm. 
He grabbed his service and prepared to leave. Be back around one. That's late. I'm having drinks with a couple friends. I'll park the truck at the bar and walk back. He left. I looked down at the tiny object in my hand. It moved, and I pinned it down with a finger, hoping the dog wouldn't get to it. It rolled and disappeared into my finger, entering between the nail and the nail bed. I dashed to the kitchen sink as I shook my hand to disgorge it. The object had disappeared into my hand. I found myself feeling around my left hand this time, trying to feel for where it could have gone. It had vanished. Fall 2020, Tom. I uploaded the book after finally sharing my findings on the unmistakable correlation between UFO sightings and a pattern. I folded the maps, placed them in order, and ascended the stairs to file them all the way in my study. I folded the card table once more and stowed it at the bottom of the basement stairs, now able to lift and move with confidence since my recovery. Three years of research and I was done. I had to celebrate and turn my mind to the business of resolving the matter of, abduct of, of, of abductions and prepare my mind to accept what I had discovered, that they were responding to me, communicating with me by answering my intentions. All these years of dreams and fitful, and fitful sleep, lucid dreams of American Indians and faceless people speaking to me about my role in this had led to a humbling but astounding conclusion. On the first morning, when earthquakes and UFOs went live on Amazon, I emerged from the bedroom with a clarity and an understanding that left me shaking. I steadied myself, seeking a firm foothold on the cold wooden floor. The, the chrysalis of discovery finally unraveled, its molding fragments leaving me at the core of the truth that I evaded for decades. I must be an abductee. Pieces of my consciousness had navigated territories that were non-terrestrial. -ter nestled in a seamless voyage provided by those who have the name. They appeared in forms I could not understand. I'm sorry, I could understand. Name and grass. Americans, Indians. They gave me a history I would be able to fathom given my own pace in the country of my birth, in the ancestry of my generations, and the depths of what I call the familiar at home. I know not why I was given this task or assigned this destiny. The teller of truths as Shailene coined it, to refer to me. It is sad that we don't meet others by happenstance, but with purpose. That everything, that every meeting was laced with a capacity to make us self-aware and for us to learn the capacity inherent within ourselves and what we still lack. As I uploaded the map that became the cover of the latest book that took over three years, the revelation of these star beings became as real as ever. Real as independent life forms that share a universe with us. I understood my own mortality and my place in a cosmos so infinite, yet so abundant with life. As I walked through the domestic, the, as I walked through the domestic city of the morning, I glanced at the flowers that surrounded the patio, the life within them so ephemeral and so delicate. I watched the sun as it broke through the leaves of trees and rejoiced in the simple smile of my wife as she prepared a simple breakfast. In that moment, I understood her role as a friend, a protector, and a witness to my own evolution. Without her presence in the hours leading to my attack, I would not have lived. That profound knowing of what she meant in that little spot we call home left me astounded at the depth of love I had for her. 
A light surrounded me, enveloping me in stillness, as I relished and rejoiced in my completeness with her as my lifetime companion. Rita's patience and compassion, while I navigated the research that left me spent and close to death, saved me from myself. I savored the warmth and boldness of my coffee, the uniqueness to this planet of the simple act of sharing a three-dimensional space where I could see, hear, and touch, feel, and taste the nourishment that came from the earth I was currently embedded in. I understood. I served as a mediator between two worlds, mine and those outside the world. In the afternoon, I brought out the laptop and opened the messenger up and typed a reply to Shailene as she sent updates on the most recent occurrence. Don't be afraid. I'm not. Not anymore. I have been carved into the plan, and so have you. It appears to be just that. Did you see the doctor? I did. He believed me. That's the beginning. It is. You moved. I did. I'm in the center of town again. Are they there? Yes, they followed me. Pause. Shailene, I'm here. I need need you to consider telling the whole world about this. How? I know a woman who writes. Tell me about her. She writes and believes as we do. I see. You must contact her. I will. I will give you her number. I'm ready. Are you really? Yes. I will tell my story. Chapter 55, 1995. Hey, guys, I'm on TikTok. If you... If, 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 you, if, you, if, you, if you like this, you like what you're hearing, this is the book The Visitants by Anna Maria Manolo and Tom Conwell. Tap that screen. Show, show me some love. Show me some love. Come on, show me some love, you guys. Bob exited the factory and entered his truck. He turned it towards the bar. The neon lights proclaiming all types of beers, including a large Budweiser sign, and a course blinking absently at the front door. The establishment was in full swing at five after midnight. He entered, sat at the bar, and two men dressed in camouflage and hunters joined him. He would unwind from the week's stress and then walk home as he didn't trust his driving when he drank, which he knew was too much. He planned to walk to the house as he had before and snake his way through the woods to get home. At home, Shailene turned in her sleep, looking out one last time at the window where the sole street lamp winked on and off. She hoped someone from Public Works would come soon and fix the light fixture. It added to her growing unease. The bedroom door was open to the dark hallway where Norton lay in his dog bed. Shailene watched as Norton suddenly stood from his bed and back away, looking as if he'd been hit. He turned and dashed down the hall, finally padding down the steps. Unlike Maxie, he wasn't as protective. Shailene surmised, and that was good. It may keep him alive. Shailene shut her eyes against the light, which had now become steady and had stopped flickering. Then the light dimmed. She felt sleep descend and a veil of death, taking from her the power to move. However, the object in her finger moved as if on command, creating a vacuum of sound that kept the children asleep. A coldness made Shailene aware that she was lying on a steel platform of sorts, a large light overhead. It was no longer the street light outside the window. It was above her. On either side of her, she felt a presence, looking down, examining her, intently gazing at her form. She was still as a cadaver, her breath coming in regularly to a monotonous sound that was the hum of something nearby. Something reached out, first tentatively, 
Then with precision. Shailene once again was unsure what they were doing or what they would become or what would become of her. A fear stirred in her gut, as something was preventing her from awakening and stopping whoever was probing her body. They were performing something on her as Shailene came to awareness and growing dread of their control. She would stop it. She would protect herself. The baby stirred inside her. Then, finally, she awakened. Above, just inches from her face, she saw two large eyes, jet black, emotionless, without whites. No ears, no nose, just a bulb head with two hauntingly dark eyes. It had what appeared to be bubbles under its lower eyelids. It reminded her of what she had seen in the bathroom mirror at the grocery when Abby was still a baby. It had no chin. She sensed another presence. It was at the foot of the steel table, holding her leg, her ankle. She felt a sharp pain and pressure. It was hurting her ankle. She felt something being embedded, pushed in, and locked into place. Shailene struggled, finally sitting up to a bed drenched in sweat. Shailene's blanket had been drawn away, exposing her feet. She felt an intense pain in her leg. She swung her feet to a cold floor to the cold floor of the room, attempting to stand in her nightgown. A burst of pain hit her. Her ankle was swollen, ballooned as if she had sprained it in her sleep. Determined to see what had happened, Shailene limped with, with detrimation to the bathroom, where she turned on the light. The light from the lamp showed her ankle had suddenly swollen to twice its size. She protectively touched her belly, feeling the stir of the child inside. She vomited. Chapter 56 Bob exited the bar as the neon lights flashed a signal that it was closing. He dared to glance down at his watch, knowing he was later than usual. He attempted to look at the luminous dial, but his vision, shaky with fatigue and too much beer, was out of focus. It was two in the morning. Glad he decided to walk and not rely on his buddies for a ride. He darted towards the road and watched for cars as he walked on the shoulder. The bar was at the edge of town, and the block ended in darkness. His factory was within walking distance in the other direction, shrouded by trees and understory. The direction he headed for was even darker. Impenetrable by street lights, where the street lights ended and made way for stretches of luminous white lines on the edge of the pavement. He paused to dig in his pocket for his cigarettes, found a crumpled pack, and struggled to light it with a disposable lighter. It was too wet. The dampness of the night had snaked through his jacket and into the pack. He held up the pack in search of a drier cigarette by the light of a passing truck, but it had passed too quickly before he could find it. He cursed. The last truck. What the hunters had driven away in the haze and fog, two red lights momentarily breaking in the dim light. He forgot to ask for a lighter before they left. His lighter was also too damp and was near empty. He began his walk and followed the path that led to a narrow road. Both sides embraced him with the uncertainty of night, the screeching of night birds, and the slither of small vermin and nocturnal foragers. Forest creatures scuttled as he walked past, burrowing themselves in the bushes and the tall grass, and onto the trees as they nestled from their perch, watching him. Bob paused at some point in his solitary walk to study the barn that he and Shailene had driven by not too long ago. He recalled his terse conversation, raising his own insecurity that was somehow observing his every movement, scrutinizing him, 
and judging his own masculinity. As years went by, his own insecurity dug a crevice into the marriage, further leading him to drink and work that made him choose a night shift in order to avoid the lack of trust in his own relationship. Distracted by his alienation from his own children, who, who, sought, who, who sought Shailene for comfort, and the security of her constant presence in their lives, Bob walked doggedly, dimmed by drink and lack of confidence. His stride and the loneliness in the hour made him stray towards the center of the road, a truck, on its way to an unknown destination in haste. Its front lights dim in the gloaming, failed to signal to Bob as it barreled by. As he heard in a stupor the soporific state of drunkenness, the motor of the vehicle, he turned to look, and it was a few feet away. Stepping aside at the last moment, he stumbled in such a way that the truck missed him by inches. However, as Bob recovered from the shock, he paused to once again attempt to light a cigarette from the crushed and damp box in his pocket. Flicking on a lighter with success in the dark, the flame came on just in time for him to see another truck behind him, a dark one in color, coming at him at 40 miles an hour or more. He moved, but it was too late. The truck's side-view mirror as it passed clipped his head It broke his neck as it made a hideous cracking sound. His head turned downwards to the side at a sickening 90-degree angle. He fell to the ground as the truck screeched to a stop, and the yelling he heard faded rapidly in his dying ears. 57, 2020, Endless Night. If you guys like what you hear, send me a thumbs up, send me a happy face, send me hearts. So, you know, show me some love. Show me some love. Tap that screen over on TikTok. Tap that screen. Tap that screen. The entity was four feet tall as it hunched over Shailene, examining her like a caged animal. Shailene stayed, stayed immobile, unable to scream, perspiration lining her forehead, dripping towards her hair and onto the steel slab. There was another entity somewhere. She sensed it. It, too, was intently watching as the other performed some type of procedure on her. Shailene would... Oh, it went over. Look at that. This happened last week, too. No reason. TikTok went over. Hang on, you guys. Uh, uh, okay. How weird it happened last week, and there's no reason for it. Let's just... I think we might have a ghostie in here, you guys. There's ghosties in my house, so I think we might have a ghostie... Playing games with us. Yep. I think we do. No, hang on. Let me get you going. Let you lean up a little bit. There you go. I do. I think we might have a ghosty in here. I'm going to turn you kind of at an angle so you don't fall. Huh. Last week, you guys hit the floor, so don't feel bad. Okay. Unable to scream. <laughs> Where was I? Staying immobile. Unable to scream. Perspiration lining her forehead. Dripping towards her hair and onto the steel slab. There was another entity somewhere. She sensed it. It, too, was intently watching her as the other performed some type of procedure on her. Shailene would fight to divert it, push it, and scare it away. Her rebellion at the rape of her body and her soul screamed in the eerie silence of the strange room. Without witnesses, intervention wasn't forthcoming in her isolation from her children, who had heard and saw nothing was complete. Now they're grown and living independently, Safe from an endless swath of nightmares, that was her life. Would she dare tell them? 
Andrew was now a married man. Abby had a daughter, and Adam, who saw Norton die, was working two jobs, too busy to sit and listen to her bizarre and terrifying life. In desperation, Shailene concentrated to reach out and slap the invader, his face rubbery and starkly emotionless. She felt pain now. Something she knew would result in bruises, which she saw in the mornings when she took her shower. She had been photographing them and keeping them in her cell phone camera as the visits progressed from night to night. A spot here, a spot there. Then she began sending the photographs of the bruises to Tom, the investigator she met on Facebook and would later meet in person. By then, the bruises covered most of her back. Shailene sat up. The entity looked, looked back in shock. The entity backed away, slowly. The other entity knocked back, its small mouth forming an O. Something stirred and clicked. Shailene found herself lying down. Suddenly, Shailene's face was inches from the bedroom ceiling. She gasped as she discovered herself several feet over the bed, suspended, floating. She felt herself falling downwards. Whoop. The mattress heaved to receive her fall. Shailene sat up. Night. The street lamp was brighter. A hand reached for her. Mom. Mom. It was Adam. She would tell him. Chapter 58, 2022. Tom glanced down on his cell phone at the new photograph. He types, when did this happen? Last night, Shailene typed back. It's gotten worse. Tom typed, it has? Who knows? They believe me. Who? My children. All three. How? I showed them the marks on my leg, the indentations, the bruises, that entity with the huge eyes. They saw it? My granddaughter did. She screamed when she saw this movie. The same entity that shackled me. My God, don't be afraid. They know now, Tom counseled. They do, and so do others. Tell her, please. I have. She's called. She will call again. She will? Yes. Pause. I'm worried. Don't worry. It's a lifetime thing. Shailene looked out the window at the fading light of the evening and spotted a line of hooded figures once again. This time they were taller, again faceless, but led by a man garbed in a long white cape. Her new home, a 170-year-old antique house, faced the street where they made their solemn procession. They were chanting words she couldn't comprehend, a witness to an ancient ritual. She typed a, th she typed a thumbs up on the screen to end the conversation and turned away from the window. Shailene faced the large living room of the grand old house, the chandelier light twinkling and blinking to, an to announce another presence. An orange cat looked up from beneath an antique coffee table, his eyes green and round with surprise. He hissed at something above Shailene's head. Then, like lightning, he bolted from the room. The chanting continued. Postscript. At the time of this writing, the encounters at the house where Shailene currently resides, now alone, continues. In 2013, a few years after her last child left the home, Shailene formed a local group called Paranormal and Strange Testimonies. She gathered individuals in a support group aimed at sharing experiences and providing support for the ongoing trauma. They have since dispersed, but Shailene's children now believe her after Shailene's granddaughter saw an ad on the television with a giant flea, sending the child into a paroxysm of terror.
Shailene finally revealed her story to her children, now grown and able to grasp their mother's incredible lifetime journey into the unknown. Shailene's current residence is in the center of town, near where her childhood experiences took place. Her youngest sibling, Annie, kept the gun, the Luger, which the writers believe may have spiraled the onset of the paranormal experiences, marking Shailene for life. The house she currently resides in is believed to be haunted, the former owner killed right in front of the property. To date, Shailene has had encounters with different types of entities, which are listed here. One, the grays, large eyes, head disappointment to the body, no ears or chin. Two, the armored humanoid with a gun belt and lobster claws for hands. Three, a mantis-type being. Four, a werewolf. Five, hooded entities without faces. At one point, Shailene found herself on a ship looking down at buildings on fire. People were screaming as they burned to death, but there was no fire. When the writer asked Shailene what she made of these presences who physically attacked her later on in the last several years to the present time, she replied, they are massing. Shailene is now in her 70s. Okay, that is the end of the book. And next week, we will be uh, starting another book uh, by uh, my, my good friend, uh, Deborah Monet. And uh, it's, it's a true story of a haunted house that she bought. And uh, so we'll be starting that next Sunday. So we're going to bail out early today. And uh, that's the end of this book. It was a really great book. And uh, hello, Pamela. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It's, 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 it's a really nice book, actually. Really nice book. So next week we will be... Lynn Monet. I'm sorry, not Deborah Monet. So next week we will be starting De, uh, Lynn Monet's book. And I'm uh, looking forward to that. So I will see you guys on Sunday. And at the, at the, at the usual time at 6 p.m. Pacific. Not 7.30 p.m. Pacific. But 6 p.m. Pacific. I, I will see you guys on Sunday. So... Uh, Thank you for coming, and tomorrow we are going to be talking about Tesla, and we're going to be talking about Tesla's machine that he created to talk to the dead, and that's going to be with, with that's going to be with with Dr. Goldberg tomorrow, and that's at 6:30 p.m. Pacific on California Haunts Radio, and for you you guys on TikTok who uh, can't participate on TikTok, you can join us over at the YouTube page at youtube.com at California forward slash at California Haunts Radio, and that is 6:30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. Okay, guys, I will see you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Bye.